Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, I don't either. It's starting to uh, starting to get frustrating a little, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I've, I don't I don't either. I have no idea. All right, er- hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Air Raid Attack Podcast. I'm your host Michael, and as always, follow the show on Twitter at Air Raid underscore Podcast. Listen to us on iTunes and Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, along with many many more platforms that are out there. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash air attack podcast and we can communicate throughout the week and the weekend joining us on today uh on today's show is the cbs sports radio writer serious xm nba producer david shepherd david great to have you on the show today hey michael thanks for having me it's my pleasure as always and i know you're a busy man so i don't want to waste too much of your time up so let's get things to it espn's the last dance offered all of us across the country some relief during uh, lack of live sports worldwide. The global wrestled with, of course, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, what's your thoughts? Just a personal as, uh, aspect of the Last Dance, and what was your thoughts on the ten uh, ten part documentary about the practically of the Bulls and Michael Jordan? I th- like you said. I thought it was. Um... You, know, you said it well. It was much needed. It was a glimpse into an era that we're not really accustomed to, where players back then had to make names for themselves, and the media wasn't making their name before they even set foot on the court or feel whatever the case may be. You know, they didn't have um, the 120 million shoe contracts at the 18 years old. They didn't have social media, so the only branding they had came from their work ethic, from the craft, from the chalkboard. So it was just something that was amazing to see. I, you know what? I guarantee you the Michael LeBron debate heated up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it <laughs> did. <laughs> you know, and I think that's going to be the debate that uh, I think will never rest. I think you can go probably either way. You know, you go with the Michael Jordan, you know, never losing the NBA Finals. LeBron did this. Michael did this. And I think I think it's safe to say both in their time of play, they're probably both one of the best players to play during their time, of course. Don't forget the late, great uh, Kobe Bryant. We can throw him in the mix as well. But um, what was your – what was the outcome um, in regards to the end, the end of the last episode? You know, me personally, I thought it was a little disappointing. Jordan actually leaving after the 98 season um, in regards to, of course, not wanting to play any other – for any other coach, I should say, that was not named Phil Jackson. Um, we really got no insight into how – that all went down at the last after the last championship that they won against the Jazz. It seemed like to me personally the end was a bit rushed, which is understandable given the situation that the production team was, of course, was in. Um, probably didn't want to go into too much details. Um, do you think that we could have might have got a little more information about the end, or do they? Do you think that ESPN played off pretty well? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely wanted you. Uh you know, gasping for a little more. That's, that's for sure. Um, you know, maybe if LeBron James wins championship four, they come out with the last dance 10 part two. Um, but look, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's such a shame because you do feel like this was a guy. Um, and, you know, we, we really have never had, I mean, even today, there's no athlete in any sport that you look at and say, that guy is the best. Whether it's even a guy like Patrick Mahomes, he only has one Super Bowl. Whether it's a guy like, you know, Brooks Kepler in golf, you know, he's got three majors, but they're all kind of spread out a little bit. Um, you know, in tennis, it's, you know, Joker, Federer, Nadal, MLB. We really don't know who that guy is. There's no Barry Bonds anymore. 
Um, there's no Greg Maddox anymore. So we're not used to having that ultimate iconic. That's the best person at what they do. And there's no doubt about it. And for him to be um, taken from us at 35, and I don't mean in like a, uh, a life or death sense, but for his career just to come to a halt at 35. And we essentially, I know we played with the Wizards, but we would never see that mythical mm-hmm. figure again. I think left audiences really sad. Um, and I think, you know, I, it's interesting, Michael. I think the interesting thing about it is this. I think LeBron sees that documentary and he's saying to himself, how do I play till 40? Because I yep. don't want them to be making a Lakers or Cavs or Heat documentary one day and saying, you know what, man, if I would have known this, if I would have known that, I would have kept playing. Um, it was hard. It was hard because you, you wish you, wish you would have six thirty seven, and specifically with that Bulls team. I agree. And, you know, it's, it's those, those what should have, could have, you wish the what ifs of the world. And we always have those both personally and in sports and movies or what have you. And it would have been interesting if they would have gone uh, one more year with Jordan, with, with Pippen, with uh, Dennis Rodman. Yes. And what could have happened? You know, we can't predict that they would have won a seventh championship, but at the same time, that team in the nineties was pretty dominant. And, you know, I know they had uh, some challenges, of course, with, with Indiana in the early 90s, of course, with Detroit, with the bad boys in Detroit. But it would have been interesting to see what would have happened exactly had everybody stick together together for one more year and and tried to make it number seven. Yeah, well, I mean, we both – I mean, we would both agree. I mean, I think the Bulls beat that number uh, number first title team with the Spurs in 99. I mean, oh, there's, there's no one – I mean, because they didn't have Bruce Bowen. So there's no one that's going to guard Jordan. Um you know, Pippen, Pippen, I thought, would have neutralized Duncan because he was that great of a defender. Robinson's a better rebounder than David Robinson. Uh, obviously, Robinson's a better scorer. But who, who are they going to have to stop Michael Jordan? Who's going to stop Kukos? Oh, nobody. They, have, yeah, exactly. they would have nobody. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I give, I give the Spurs maybe a game, but that could that series could easily could have been swept. You know, they could have swept it. I could see that. Um, of course, the Spurs don't take anything away from what they've done. Of course, but nonetheless, um, here's a good question. A good buddy of mine and, and I were talking about it. Why wasn't the Wizards brought into the documentary? Granted, it wasn't about the greatest dynasties, uh, of course, probably among all the sports. You know, don't forget the Patriots and, of course, some other teams. But it's obviously a period of Jordan's career that was met with lots of mystery coming after three years of retirement. Well, I, to me, there's a misconception about Michael Jordan with the Washington Wizards. He was phenomenal. Absolutely. He was, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was putting up 23 a game at age 39 and then 20 a game at age 40. And he played more minutes that season, if I remember correctly, than any NBA player last season at any age. Mm-hmm. He was dropping 50 uh, points, at, points at the age of 39. He scored over 40 at 40 years old. His first guy to ever do that. His mind, his competitiveness – his skill was still at an elite level, but he was top 15 in NBA MVP voting. People just want to, you know, make him wash out to dry, and they want to castigate him for being this over-the-hill guy who was playing at 39-40. He's still one of the best players in the league. Oh, absolutely. And who absolutely. did he have? Did Heidi White? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because we look back at the Wizard team, and though they probably weren't the, you know, the, the Bulls, and we can't, you know, can't compare those two, but uh, and like you said, he absolutely he still plays the best basketball, and up in way past his prime, and he probably could have gone one more year with the Wizards, but, um, yeah. but again, um, 
course, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, a few others coming out uh, after the documentary ended. All of us seen a 10-part series of it. Um, Pippen, of course, upset. He's livid, so to speak, as some right. – depends on how you read some articles. Uh, was he rightfully so? Should he be livid, or do you think he's portraying uh, kind of a different man as they compared him in, in the documentary? Along with Horace Grant, could you see them? Could you see these two individuals eventually going to Fox, going to any other major network, and saying, "Hey, here's our account of our version of the Last Dance, so to speak"? And kind of like, unfortunately, don't want to compare it to the Bible, but could you have a version to way of different people's accounts of of the Last Dance? You know, it's it's a good question, Michael. The problem is, I don't think anyone's going to watch it because I think the version that everyone wanted was the version we got, which was the lens of Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Right? We, I mean, you know, without knowing you too well, Michael, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Everybody in your immediate family, they know who Michael Jordan is? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Now, <laughs> right. Now, does everybody Especially know my dad. He's a he's diehard Knicks fan. Exactly. Oh, well, he definitely knows Michael Jordan, right. Uh, you know, they don't want to admit that he knows him, but he certainly knows him. Now, does anyone in your, oh, yes. anyone in your family know Horace Grant? Probably, probably my dad and my brother. Probably after that, nobody else would probably know. Exactly. Scotty Pippen. Same thing. Yep. Okay. So Michael Jordan was an icon among icons. He was a global brand. No one wants to see a different version. No one wants to see a different because you know what guys like Ken Norton, you know what I mean. Guys like I mean obviously I, I, mm-hmm. guys like you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going with this. We don't want right. to hear their version of Muhammad Ali. We want our version. No, of Muhammad absolutely Ali. not. It's Michael Jordan and it's everybody else. And that's a good. And that's a, exactly. And I know you know I give you know of course I can understand Horace Grant and and Scottie Pippen you know but again. Let's be honest. I don't think anybody really cared about their two cents after the documentary because <laughs> they said their they said their two cents, and I think everybody was like, "Oh, okay," right. and, and, and moved on, right. and, and so be it. Do you think we could easily see a Lakers um, with Kobe, Shaq? The list goes on and on. Phil Jackson, with, of course, with the Lakers, uh, Rick Fox, uh, Derek Fisher. Could we see another? Kind of last dance, so to speak, but of course not going to be the same right, name. Right. Could we see one with the Lakers, with the Heat, with LeBron, Bosch, and Wade? And could we see one? I don't know if the Spurs would you throw the Spurs in or not, but could you see another series, or at least with those two teams, uh, in the near in the future, in the near future, but in the future? So the Heat to me are the Warriors, right? They're kind of the right. same, so they don't really stand out in terms of me wanting to watch it because we've seen that before, and then we saw it right exactly. after, exactly, right. With the Lakers, the problem they're going to – and by the way, I'm with you. I would love to see anything Kobe Bryant with Lakers. my favorite player growing up to me. Absolutely. To, to me, I would put Jordan at, at number one. I'd put Kareem at number two, and I'd put Kobe at number three. Um, he's that good. But and unfortunately, we saw that with the Bulls, and they were better. They were better than the Lakers. Um, six of eight, you know, beats three of, you know, five. You know, you can really make it – two years because that's when Phil was with them. He was with them for that five-year duration. Correct. I, you know what I'd be fascinated to see? Here's what I'd really be, here's what I'd really be fascinated to see. I'd love to hear stories. Not the memorials, you know, God, God rest his soul. Exactly. Not, not the funeral stories. 
you know, not the obituary comments. I want to hear comments about Kobe in 2008. Kobe oh. 2000. Not the Kobe we saw with the ESPN um, in thing that he did and the, and the short stories and obviously the Oscar that he won for documentary. I want to see that Mamba. And I want to hear his teammates talk about him as if he's still here and really get to the crux and the motivation that gelled and pushed Kobe to be what he ultimately became. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. That, that would be nice. And, you know, of course, and of course, you know, we were, we don't, we don't, we don't really know fucking talk, right? We don't really know exactly just because, you know, all we're, all we're doing is hearing things and reading things, but you know, Kobe, Kobe was very competitive, of course, packed on and off the court and, and that would be a good one to see and, and you know, again, rest his soul. And I would have loved to, if not, you know, if things would have went ended differently, would uh, would have loved to see Kobe at least in the front office. And, you know, never, of course, we, we will never know that. But he's uh, he's one that I think in the future you could see potentially. And I think, I think that would be all eyes on TV for sure. Oh, my God. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> there's no there's no sports fan that's not going to want to tune in. And unfortunately, you said it. Drama sells. Oh, absolutely. Sells. Conflict sells. Gossip sells. So, I mean, can you imagine the bombshell it would be if, you know, Kobe got so-and-so fired or, or oh, you know, or Kobe, you know, Kobe, I mean, and listen, here's the thing. This isn't a knock against Kobe. Right. Any player of that stature, any player of that stature, there's going to be people that he doesn't necessarily want to play with. And there's going to be people that he doesn't like. And so I want to see the competitive side of Kobe. Now, now having said that, Michael, let me know. I'm not Woj. I'm not Broussard. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. I'm not those guys that are ultra, ultra connected with athletes and players and coaches alike. But what I will tell you is everything that I heard about Kobe, he was a misunderstood guy. And he was a stand-up friend, mm-hmm. and he was a really smart, good person. But he was so big that he couldn't let a lot of guys get close to him. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Kind of switching gears. Um, we finally have we finally have the NBA back, of course. Uh, many other sports leagues are restarting uh, here in the near future for the few, but let's keep it with the NBA. The 2019-2020 NBA season uh, will get its long-awaited conclusion. Of course, uh, back in a few weeks ago, the NBA uh, voted on and agreed to play in an NBA 22-team format to finish out the race as we head into the playoffs with a 29-1 vote. Um, Portland being the only team that, um, that voted no. Sure. Um, so July 31st, we're going to restart it. Did the NBA, um, did the NBA get it right? Because if you look at it, Orlando five and a half game lead over Washington in the East for the eighth seed, Memphis three and a half over Portland. Uh, did the NBA get it right or should they have just kept the six team moving forward and start the playoffs? Well, it comes down to one name and that name is Zion. Right. So you have the shiny new toy in sports, a guy that's more explosive than any player we've ever seen. And I I include LeBron James in that conversation. Zion's better than LeBron on a minute restriction. Like, no, he's not the passer LeBron was, 
Right. But you got to find a way to get him in there because you've already, he only played, I believe, I could be wrong on this. I believe he played 19, I believe he played 19 games this season. He missed, he, 70%, 75% of it. Yeah, because I think he missed quite a bit the first, first right. almost a third of the season. Right. So you need, you, he's one of the three or four biggest draws in the NBA. I mean, that, that's how big he is. So you have, you have, so you can't miss out on his rookie season. You already missed out on three fourths of it. Um, but to answer your question, I mean, we, we both know the Pelicans are not going to win. No, no. None of these, none of these teams, I mean, I mean, people say it's the same three or four teams every year anyway. So, if any, you know, logic ensues, wouldn't you say, "Hey, you don't make it sixteen, you make it eight? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and then it, and then I mean, because when's the last time we had a a champion that was not the number one, two, three, or four seed? I know, I think back to Houston, uh, was, yeah, five, right? But I can't think of another team. No, I th- yeah, I think that was unless you know, it's it's obviously been a while, but I think I think you're right. I think Houston has been the last one. Right, the Knicks were at eight and ninety nine. Correct. They got beat four one by a team that I didn't think was that good in the San Antonio Spurs. Correct. So, yeah, I, I don't. Again, I, I don't. I, if, if you if you want Michael, if you want safety, and you really are concerned about the well being of the players, the question again, I'm not knocking the NBA. The NBA is going to do what's best for the NBA. Absolutely. Right, because there's a reason why you have twenty two teams, and. Theoretically, there's only four or five teams that are going to win it every year. So yeah, you decide to have 22. They're taking advantage of, you know, the, having the best players in the world and what they do. So I don't fault them for that. Now I will say Adam Silver, I believe, has the best interest for his players. That I believe. I do agree. Yes. And it's taking with the playoffs. Um, I know it's prior to this to this season. He's been talking about uh, mixing things up, potentially changing the playoff format, you know, practically giving your 16 best teams regardless of what conference they come out of. Sure. Uh, do you think that's – I personally think that's a great idea or at least a good idea to kind of change the game. Uh, what's your thoughts on the potential change? If Obviously, it's just rumors or just ideas. I should put that – is it a good idea for the league or should the league just keep it as is and get the eight best – um, on the east, both the east and the western conference. No, I think it's a good idea because you're having teams. You know, every team has to play each team once a year, um, and they have to play at that team's respective arena too. But then the other games, you're playing the same conference, often the same division. So if you're four games better, if the nine seed is four games better than the eight seed in the east, not only are they four games better, but they're actually, in, in theory, seven or eight or nine because they're playing tougher competition. So not right. So not only are they going to be at a disservice because of the conference that they play in, but they also got there. The record is even more deceiving because they had harder competition to play with. It's like it's like in football. Um, it's like the NFC East. You know, back in the back in the late night, back in the late I shouldn't say late nineties, the late eighties mm-hmm. or the early nineties with the Cowboys and. Redskins um, and Giants and Eagles, like that division is always so good. Oh yes, right. But you nullify, like that's why the Patriots. Like everyone wants to make out, you know, the Patriots to be the best football team <laughs> spread. But look, they had a cakewalk every single year to the yep. division crown, right? So, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. So you, you get, you, I mean, you, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look at look at this year. You had the Rams, you had the Niners, and the Seahawks. You're telling me one of those teams isn't good enough to be a division leader in the AFC? 
of the AFC. Yeah, the AFC East, and it's probably you know it could it could potentially change. Obviously, it's way off subject. It could potentially change with Buffalo, but uh, right, right, absolutely. But that'd be my that'd be my guess. But oh, oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the AFC East has just been a a knockover and has been for quite a while, and it's probably going to. I'm sure, but they're up and coming teams. But yeah. no, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Right. So you got to get the best sixteen in there. And by the way. They've been up and coming teams for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Was, no, I'm saying I'm saying that the, that Bills team has been up and coming for twenty five years. Yep. <laughs> Portland being the only team, um, I'm kind of I've heard some about it. I would have thought that they would be for this because you know Portland uh, kind of faced quite a bit of injuries throughout the season, sure, especially in the beginning of the season. Damian Leonard came out and played practically. He didn't want to play or something to that degree. But Portland being the only team, what was the main reason behind Portland's decision to vote against it and being the only team? You would assume, you know, we still got, I don't know how many games are left, eight or nine or something like that degree. Um, they're three and a half back. You would assume as a team that's with everybody hopefully healthy after this long, long break. Um, with Portland, could you see Portland? Boys in the West, and what was the main reason of Portland's to vote against it? I didn't understand that for one second. Um, it was the 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 reasoning was basically it had to do with integrity, and CJ McCollum came out right away and supported Portland management. So I I, I don't I don't understand what that was about because they're obviously going to be one of the teams that does benefit from it. Um, I, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you why they did object. Only reason being is that they objected to the integrity of having 22 games as opposed to the full um, the full 30. Um, what I what I would also say is uh, no, they have no chance. Uh, Damian Lillard is great. He's great, but he doesn't play defense. Stephen um, McCollum's great, but he's hot and cold. Carmelo Anthony is great. He's so great that they're going nuts and back me right now with a parade. Um, but Car- Carmel Car- Anthony's a little older now, so he's not the player he used to be. And Nurkic, we don't know what you're going to get with him. Right. Now, I would have thought, you know, Portland being one of the teams that would have benefited from this long break, of course, quite a bit of injuries that unfortunately kind of um, dampened their season, but that's part of the game. But I would imagine that that would have uh, kind of helped them as we head into the final stretch of the, the long-awaiting NBA uh, restart um, would you go into, of course, I've seen the Thunder play quite a bit this year. I personally think this break kind of hurt the Thunder. Of course, the Thunder being one of the, uh, well, youngest teams for the most part, besides for the exception of point guard with Chris Paul. Sure. With them playing so much amazing basketball this year and probably one of the surprise teams, um, both in the West and overall in the league, could this break kind of slow down their momentum that they were having as we entered into the, what you know, and towards the end of the season before this coronavirus uh, break. Yes, because they're because they're a young team, they can't just flip a switch. They're not a veteran team like we talked about with the Lakers or the Bulls, right. even the Warriors. Like those guys knew the difference between a regular season and a playoff game. Where for the Thunder, they don't have another All Star outside of Chris Paul that's ever made an All Star game. And I know, um, you know, Shea's really good. Uh, but he's not at that level yet. Might be next year, but he's not there yet. So any young team, momentum at a professional level, when you don't have the experience, can come to a sudden halt very, very quickly. 
And it's unfortunate for Oklahoma City because they were they were playing better. Than yes. Oh yeah. Than they were when they had two of the top seven guys last season. When Paul George wasn't even just the third in MVP voting, he was right there with Giannis and Harden for some time. It it's amazing. I can't believe Billy Donovan has something to do with this. Um, it, <laughs> it is it is unbelievable what they've been able to turn out. With this team, moving Grant, too, by the way, who is mm-hmm. not a pickup for the Nuggets, it's amazing what they've been able to do. But yes, it's going to hurt their momentum. But I would have right now, I'd have Giannis, MVP one, LeBron in second, and then I have CP3 in, in third. That's how much of it. Even though statistically he's not what he once was, the impact that he has had on that team cannot be understated enough. Oh, absolutely. And I was going to ask you, where, where if, if at all – uh, where CP3 uh, fall under the MVP listings, sticking with the Thunder, of course, um, huge fan. I kind of so I have to be removing the bias away from it. But with Billy Donovan being its last year before his contract is up, being this his last year um, prior to his uh, contract expiring, right? See the sign. Uh, how long, or do you think that the Thunder said, "Hey, you know, it's been fun, but." You know, we gotta move on. I personally um, think I think this is probably one of his better coaching years. I think by far, right. um, and of course, it came at the last. And it probably came at a good time, being his last year on his contract from his original contract a few years back. What do you think the Thunder could do with Billy Donovan? Uh, resign him or move on down the road? Yeah, if they, if they don't win around, uh, it's time for him to go. He's had too many chances. He's had way too many chances. They they should have won against the Jazz. They should have beat that Portland team last season. They definitely should have got beaten five. They definitely should have beat the Warriors in 2016 when they're up 3-1. Um, he's had too many missed opportunities. So you got to either win or this just isn't the right situation for you. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Of course, you know, here in Oklahoma City, of course, unfortunate when, when you have a college, a college football team with great success down in Norman, for the most part, for the exception of playoffs, um, with great success, of course, that kind of filters into the into the NBA season. But um, no, again, Billy Donovan, excellent job what he's done by far. Uh, would you consider him at least top top three candidate for a finalist for Coach of the Year? Yeah, you gotta you gotta put him up there because no one saw the Thunder even making the playoffs. Everyone was from the beginning of the season saying, "Where's Chris Paul going to head to after he gets traded to the." Uh, you know, Thunder, who's, you know, who are they going to trade him for next? Um, and everyone was saying Chris Paul was the worst contract in the history of contracts. So it just goes to show you the fact that they're even a contender um, for home court advantage in the playoffs. It's just remarkable. He has to be top three, if not, if not the number one guy, in my opinion. Definitely so. Um, I think that, uh, I think Billy Donovan's well-deserving, and we'll see what he does, of course, finish out the, finish out, However, we consider this the regular season as we head into the postseason. Being the four or five, you know, they could go as three. What would it be the worst case scenario? Uh, if there is one. Yeah, I, I think this, to be honest with you, I don't think there is a worst case scenario. I think they're <laughs> playing with house money. Right? As we kind of head towards and, um, Enter into playoffs. Who would be some of your teams to kind of look out for that could make a run, or should we see, um, should we see the Lakers? Should we see the top teams, um, 
the Bucks. Should we see the top – at least give it four. Should we see the top four teams practically control the playoffs, or do you think that we could see some surprise teams make a run? Uh, there's going to be no surprise in the East. It's going to be Milwaukee. Um, they're better than they were last year. They have more experience than they were last year. Um, they have more talent than they did last year. They have obviously a better coach that, uh, than last year because Budge has gotten even better in that regard. Um, and then in the West, it's just going to be which LA team shows up more. And are the Clippers going to get the chemistry that we feel like they've kind of not had all season? Um, they've shown that they actually are a better team when they play, uh, you know, at full throttle as opposed to the Lakers. But it's those three teams. It, no, no other. I mean, I know what people want to make noise about Westbrook and Harden, and they want to make noise about Gobert and the addition that Conley was going to be this season. And they want to talk about how the Heat don't lose at home and the 76ers talent and the Celtics depth. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to three teams. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and you know, the Houston, I would consider it the Houston project, if you will. All right. Yeah. Do you think it was too much? I and mean, I was very. I just didn't like the trade at all. I'm not saying for the Thunder's sake, but overall, it just didn't really make much sense. Um, what went wrong in Houston? If there, if there is an answer besides two, two great athletes that love to have the ball and that love to score, besides trying to figure out how how to even out the the point spread against those two, sure. what went wrong in Houston that the expectations went from high to they're not even close to reaching? Sure. And Michael, so I, and I got to apologize. So I, I got to leave right after this question. Not a problem. Um, but what I, what I will say is in terms of the Rockets, it comes down to one common denominator. And that is Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. Mike D'Antoni had this situation in Phoenix and he had a similar situation in New York and he had a similar situation in Los Angeles where he got swept and he got swept in New York and in Phoenix they should have made the finals at least once and they never did because he doesn't coach one side of the court and he never has. And so his teams are really exciting and they're really fun to watch and they're captivating and their ratings bonanza because of what they do offensively. This has been the story and the narrative with him since 2004. The problem is you do not win titles in this league without being one of the top five defensive teams. Absolutely. That has to be an asset. It can't be a liability. And that has always been a liability with D'Antoni's teams. It's not about the guys on offense. We know that's going to show up. It's the defense, which has not shown up when it's needed the most. Absolutely. Totally agree. And on that, we'll let you go, David. A pleasure, pleasure talking to you, talking to NBA. It was a pleasure having you on and, and uh, great talking with you, sir. Likewise, Michael. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Take care. You too. Thank you. Thank you.